Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. Hi, and welcome to Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity. I'm Susan Shireko. Today, we're going to be taking a look at emotional loss. It is a grief journey that we experience after a disaster, whether it be uh, something as physical as I had with my landslide uh, several years ago, or whether it's something that you are experiencing when you lose a loved one, or end a relationship, or have a huge financial disaster. They are all unexpected losses and set us into a negative tailspin. And it's pretty well documented that we go through various stages. At first we're in shock, and then we, have, we express our emotions. Uh, and, but if we don't deal with them, if we don't look at those feelings, we may go into major depression and experience physical problems, lots and lots of anxiety, which I certainly did. And I didn't, you know, a lot of times we don't want to get back into normal activities right away. We want to hide away for some reason. So it took a while, but after I got through my experience, I came to describe it as life-altering. It was not just about physical changes. It, it affected me emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I was able to see, <laughs> I was able to see the cracks in, in the foundation of what I had been doing in my life and begin to change that, to look at it and re- define or rebuild my life. And so I went on to write my book, Rainbows Over Ruins, which was really a description of the spiritual journey that I took and wanted to share with other people so, so you could have an idea of, of how you can get through this, uh, that, that you can go through a process that helps you experience the grief and move past it and, and move any major obstacles to your life out of the way. It used this, used this experience as an impetus for moving forward. Uh, we all have negative experiences. What we do with them, how we handle them, is what makes the difference. Do we allow them to turn our lives into an expression of inner negativity, fear, and anxiety, or do we rise above them and move forward in spite of what's happened to us? So my intention today for, is to allow you to see that you, there are ways for you to rebuild your life and discover not just how to, to replace and, and you know, have the same thing develop, but to move some, to something better, to take a personal path toward joy. And that is a, that is a journey that is well represented by my guest today, Umuk Erish, who really has found a way to turn grief into creativity by using a, a couple of techniques that she's going to talk about today. So I'm very pleased to be joined uh, by Uma. Uh, she is a grief guide, certified dream coach, and award-winning author. Her writing has been published in seven countries. Her first book, Understanding Death, Ten Ways to Inner Peace for the Grieving was a way for her to understand the big life questions around grief, loss, and death. Uh, her, her second book, 
was a transformational memoir called Losing Ama, Finding Home, a memoir about love, loss, and life's detours, which is published by Hay House. And it chronicles the story of how Uma moved from pain to purpose in her own journey, moving through this loss. Uh, Uma is also the co-founder of the International Grief Council, which seeks to educate and empower those who are grieving, and she offers private sessions by phone and Skype. You can find out about her e-course, From Grief to Gratitude, and much more on her website, umagerish.com, and I'll spell that, U-M-A-G-I-R-I-S-H, and also subscribe to her grief podcast, which is the Grammar of Grief, on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Welcome, Uma Gerish. Thank you, Susan. I'm so honored to be here and share this message, which um, to me is my soul's joyful mission. That is that that was the way I would describe it, the soul's joyful mission that we we only discover sometimes when we experience a great deal of loss. Uh, we don't understand it, but if we're willing to look at it, it really is a magnificent experience. Um, I, I think I, when I was reading your material, I found that a lot of what you were saying is how we change what we're going to tell ourselves, and that's, that's part of the process is making that change. So I understand that, that you made this change after you lost your mother, and it had a profound uh, effect on you. Now, were you already involved in guiding work? before your mother passed or or was this what inspired you to go into this work no well um before my mother passed i was doing training and teaching of course in india but that was completely different i was a business english trainer for the british council um i was also a writer publishing articles and short stories in magazines and newspapers but moving through the journey of my mother's death moved me on a completely different spiritual and transformational path. And I couldn't be doing the work I'm doing today had I not heeded the calling of my soul to move through that journey, being fully present, fully conscious, fully living through and experiencing every moment of that painful journey as a way to move through and understand. And when I was able to do that, I came out on the other side. It was like walking through fire, because that's what grief and sadness feel like when you're in the intensity of that emotional turbulence. You feel like life is never going to change. It's never going to look better. You're never going to be able to smile. You tell yourself these things over and over because you're steeped in that dark brew of toxic emotions like anger and bitterness and sadness. So I had to move through that. I had to process my own emotions. I had to make sense of what was happening to me, get to the other side. And the fact that I was able to do that is testimony to the fact that anyone who's grieving a loss can do it. Indeed. What did you do? Uh, what, what, what happened that, that set you on the journey? And, and then what steps did you personally go through in order to uh, get through to the other side? What started me on my transformational journey is asking the question, what is the meaning of life? So I came to that place where we start to ask those big existential questions about life and death, 
And that happens only when something rocks your boat. In my, in my case, that was my mother's death. I said, why do we struggle and survive if there's no meaning at the end of it, if we simply die? And that moved me to the space of exploring this big cosmic subject called death. What happens when we die? Do we come back? What is the soul's purpose? How are we meant to live? And through that exploration and that journeying, I found that we are here to create love. We are here to serve. We are here on a soul's mission. It's no accident that we arrive here in the earthly realm. We go through all these different life stages and then we die. We don't cease to exist. And so for me, the most healing experience I was able to bring into my life after my mother's death was service. I reached and started serving the elderly. I found part-time employment at a senior living community. I started visiting nursing homes and, and doing a lot of volunteering with seniors because who understands grief better than seniors? And when you reach out and touch another human being who's suffering, you are healed in such a deep and profound way that you can't even describe it. That's the first thing I did. I started to serve in the world. And then I started to connect with universal suffering. See, as long as you stay in your own little bubble of, oh, my mother died. Oh, I'm feeling so terrible. Why has life happened to me in such terrible ways? Why is life unfair? Um, you're going to become a victim of your story and your circumstances. In order to be able to move beyond victimhood and to take the story of loss and turn it into something meaningful in the world, you have to connect with universal suffering. So a way to do that is to connect with everybody else who's suffering a similar loss. In working with seniors, I found so many mothers when my own mother passed away. And I was able to become the daughter that so many seniors were missing in their 80s and 90s, either because of geographical distance or emotional distance. No matter what the reason, the loss that they were experiencing connected with the loss that I was experiencing. And in building that bridge from one heart to another, I was able to make some really profound changes. So my advice to anybody who's suffering today in any way would be reach out and touch another human being who's grieving something. And in making that connection, you will realize that you're not alone, that life isn't random or unfair, that grief and loss are part of the human experience and everyone goes through it. And the way we get through it is by holding hands with each other. Well, Uma, um, I, I wonder here, where, where does this grief come from that is so debilitating to us? I mean, what does it do to us? And, and where, you know, what is, it, what is it that we are experiencing? How do we, where does it come from? Grief is essentially the brokenness of the human heart. Just like when we suffer a physical cut, we need to take time to heal it. We clean the wound and we heal it and we rest it. When we break a bone, we need to um, then withdraw from certain activities that we've been used to doing and we take time off to heal. Similarly, because we form and build connections, because we are human beings and spiritual beings of love and connection, we form connections on this earthly plane with people, with animals. And when that particular loved one passes away, we experience a loss of connection. And that results in a broken heart. 
So we need to take care of our broken heart, pay attention to it and care for it, just as we would take care of a broken bone. So that's where grief comes from. Grief is all the emotions and feelings associated with the loss of connection. So if we, then why is it so, I guess it's so hard for so many people. I know it's very hard for me to uh, to reach out and get through that. I mean, you mentioned doing being of service, that that helps. But are there, are there other things that help us get through it as well? Yes. Um, I think that staying in isolation and um, stewing in your own grief is the worst thing you can do. We do some of that because we are unable to make connections when we are suffering and aching so much. We are unable to reach out and love. And so some withdrawal is necessary, but I think we have to come to a place where we reach out and connect with others because it is through connection and um, rekindling and rebuilding our, our relationships in the world that we're going to be healed. Healing doesn't happen in isolation. One of the reasons why we find grief to be so hard, why we turn away from pain, is because we are hardwired towards pleasure. I mean, look at the way we live our lives. Mm, we always mm-hmm. gravitate toward pleasurable experiences, mm-hmm, and we turn mm-hmm. away from anything that causes us pain, right? Yes, totally. Yeah, that's why we find it so hard to stay with emotions like sadness and anger um, and betrayal, frustration. We do anything we can to distract ourselves from feeling that pain, and we want to fix it, we want to cure it, we want to run away from it. In short, we want it to be over because it doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't feel good. And, I, and, and it's interesting because I went on your, your website and was reading a little bit about what your work is. And, and you mentioned something. You call them grief breaks. And I was wondering, is it you take a break to grieve or you take a break from grieving? Yeah, I actually suggest that everyone who's grieving a loss creates time for grief. In our busy, harried, and hassled world, we tend to move away from grief because we have to move towards what needs immediate attention, like paying the bills, like going to work, like getting all our you know, stuff done on a daily basis. So what we do is we get caught up in that rush and frenetic pace. We don't make time for grief. So I suggest that people actually create a sacred space, maybe like an altar, where you you keep things that are meaningful to you and your loved one. It could be the lyrics of a song that both of you loved. It could be a, a photo of your deceased loved one. It could be things like shells, books, um, feathers, anything that was that connected you to them. Create a little private space. And then visit that private space. It doesn't have to take too long. It could be 10 minutes a day, maybe right before you go to bed. Or it could be during the day sometime. Whenever you have a little window of time, spend some time in this sacred altar space. And talk to your loved one. Or cry your tears. But just make space to feel the grief. Because that's the only way grief moves through you. So you need to take these daily grief breaks as a way to Stay connected with your loved one, not running away from your grief, making space for it so that it can allow through you and out of you. That's That can be so powerful. I know that I use journaling myself, and so often I feel as if I am connecting with something outside myself, something greater than myself. 
and it is a, a magnificent opportunity to receive messages and inspiration from from what may be loved ones or or other forces. Um, is that your your experience of the kind of thing that can happen when you're when you allow for that? Absolutely, you, you, what you're saying completely resonates with me. You make a connection with your deceased loved one because what happens many times is that we we get so caught up in in our daily lives and we use that as an excuse to move away from our grief, not to deal with it. But at the back of our heads, we know we're not doing something right. So the guilt of not making time for your loved one who's passed away stays with you. It sort of rankles in the back of your mind. You know you have to make time for it, but you're running away from it because running away is easier. And so if you took these five minutes or ten minutes short breaks to process your grief, to make time for it, it allows you to not only connect with your loved one, receive messages, receive inspiration. It's a space for you to make sense of all the chaos of emotions that you're experiencing, but it will also save you from feeling that guilt and regret later in life. You also mentioned the importance of forgiveness, that it is uh, incomplete work, things that we haven't finished with our loved ones. Well, I think the biggest piece in grief work is unfinished business, and unfinished business can take many forms. One of the biggest forms it takes is lack of forgiveness. So you didn't have a chance to complete a forgiveness issue with your loved one who's now crossed over. Maybe you had a a, a disagreement with your father and you never got to say, I'm sorry, or patch things up, and he passed away. So you carry this huge burden that I didn't get to finish this emotional business with my father. That drags you down and keeps you um, stuck in your grief much longer than is necessary. So I would say wherever you have unfinished business, if it is possible, and if this message is something you're tuning into, finish it, complete it before it's too late. However, if your loved one has passed on and you still have some forgiveness work which is incomplete, there are ways to take care of it. You can connect with your deceased loved one and still complete the unfinished business, especially if it's forgiveness, through letter writing, through sacred ritual through um, doing what I call an empty chair exercise, which I take my clients through if we're working together. There are many ways you can finish this. But if you don't finish the work of forgiveness, it holds you back and it keeps you stuck in your grief because the history of love and relationship continues well after your loved one has passed away. That's why it holds us back. The relationship is never over. The love never ends. Even if you had a father you didn't have a great connection with, let's say you you had an emotionally distant father, but he passes away and you still struggle with the history, the baggage, what you didn't get to experience. You you grieve the love you'd never shared, the, the conversations you never had. You grieve the emotional distance that was there between you. And so because we have a history in, in every connection we make, we will struggle with forgiveness issues if we don't complete them. Now, is that true of children as well, that they they may have unfinished business with someone, you know, that, that who who passes when they're very young and they have, I mean, they they're barely conscious from an intellectual standpoint of what's going on around them. 
It doesn't affect um, children who are too little if they haven't had a relationship with the parent or the sibling. It, it doesn't affect them too much because there is no history. That they don't have too many memories. They haven't had any experiences that cause this sense of loss. However, if the child is five or six and loses a sibling who is, let's say, a newborn or maybe even one or two years old or a parent, then obviously there are associations, there are memories that have been created. And the, the child would like to understand why, why this loss happened. Their questions would be related uh, less to things like forgiveness and more to, you know, why did, why did my baby brother have to die or why did God take him away? Whatever form that questioning takes. And so if a parent is open and available to answer these questions that the child asks, the resolution of that grief is much more effective. But it does if they if they're not open to it, then you just carry it with you as part of your life moving forward. Exactly. It impacts every area of your life, especially the way you love and show up in the world, because emotionally you have been scarred by that experience and you haven't had a chance to make any sense of it because you weren't given permission to talk about it, to grieve the loss, to ask questions to clear any confusion that you had as a child. So you lock it away in some part of you. You don't talk about it. You don't bring it out into the open. But silently, it stays within and sabotages every relationship you have in your life until you make the time to look at it. Mm. So again, making the time to look at and connect with our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, you're a big part of your work, um, from what I can see, is that you combine this healing the grief that you're feeling and transmuting it and birthing a new dream that emerges out of it. And I think you call that a soul purpose that that changes because we are no longer the same person once we've lost someone that we love. Uh, Something has changed and we need to find our way into what that is. Um, How how do you... uh, how do you do that? Well, to me, loss is a sacred doorway. So the fact that we are here in these human bodies, but we are spirit beings, means we will suffer loss. We will lose the people we love. And so what do you do with that? There is a lot of energy in sadness. There's a lot of energy in anger and bitterness. What we can do is take the energy of that pain and sadness and turn it into purpose. And the way you do that is by not asking the question why, but asking the question, what is this opening me to? Every experience that comes into your life is meant to move you to the next level of soul growth. That's the only reason we're here. This is earth school. We're here to learn the lessons, and some of the hardest lessons come through loss. It can be a betrayal. It can be abandonment. It can be abuse. It can be... Um, the loss of a loved one in physical space, the loss of a loved one in emotional space, all of these uh, types of losses bring about grief and pain. So the question to ask is, what am I meant to open up to through this experience? And when when you're able to do that and ask this question of your soul, you get to step into a new dream. Grief is the death of a dream. It's the death of the relationship as you knew it to be or as you wanted it to be. 
in the case of that um, father who couldn't be in your life, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, you grieve the love that you never got to experience. You grieve the conversations you didn't have. And so what do you do with the energy of this pain and sadness? All you can do is find another dream. Find a dream where you take the energy of this pain and sadness and you turn it into the energy of purpose because then it becomes meaningful. It creates beauty and joy in the world. It's something you can use to serve the world in a bigger way. So that's the first thing. You ask a question of yourself, which is what is this opening me up to? Not why is life always unfair to me? Why do bad things always happen to me? Because those questions are negative questions. They help you stay in the space of victimhood. The questions that open you up, that move you to your next chapter, are the questions of awakening. They are the questions of soul purpose. And that's the place I would begin. If you're really grieving, you make the time for your grief and loss, you move through the emotions, and then you say, what am I meant to do with this experience? How am I meant to take this and turn it into a new dream? What is this teaching me about life? Death always teaches you something about life. So once you get clear about those questions, you begin to tune into what truly matters in life, there you will find the answers. Your soul will speak to you and tell you what purpose this is meant to serve in your world, and from there you can move into the next beginning. I love how you, that, that sense of moving into a, away from the negative self-talk into positive dreaming and create, creativity that, that is possible. And I love the word you use in your website, which is you shape shift your story. It has such a sci-fi feeling to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is like, yeah, but it's really true. We, we shape shift. In the process we of talking, we have to shape, about shift it. our story. Yeah, we have to shift our story from one of uh, loss and uh, victimization to one of victory and purpose and meaning. Think about all those people who struggled in in the concentration camps. Mm. I mean, they could have spent the rest of their lives in in victimhood, and no one could have said anything, right? But so many of them chose to rise about their circumstances and went on to serve the world in such empowering ways. That is rising above your circumstances. The universe or God or spirit, whatever you choose to call it, isn't unfair. God doesn't take your loved one away. You know, we've been taught to think that God is this punishing, angry God who does terrible things to human beings on earth. That's not true. Anything that is born must die. That is the truth. Whether it's a plant, an animal, a person, anything that's living and breathing will and must die. So how do we make sense and understand this cycle of life and death? Once we tune into that, we realize this is not about unfairness. This is not about an angry, punishing universe. This is about living in a world of duality where there's night, but there's also day. There's good, but there's also bad. There's morning, there's also night. There's life, but there's also death. We live in a world of duality, and once we understand that and move into that understanding, then we begin to take our circumstances a little less personally, and we begin to see the universal significance of it. And that's how you shape-shift your story. You connect to the universal from the singular experience. Mm, I love that. 
Did you have? Do you have an example of something that you might have have used your um, your inner work, um, your inner meditation on this kind of thing, in order to receive a message, or to some anything that you would like to share with with our listeners today that sort of inspires you? Yes, um, I would say that just this morning I was sitting in meditation. And I open up my angel prayer book, and it opens to a message from heaven. And I knew in that moment the angels were speaking to me and saying to me, you need to share this message on the show as a way for listeners to tune in and understand that their loved ones have never left them. So if you're okay, I'd love to share this little prayer. I I would love to hear it. Okay, it's called Message from Heaven by Reverend Jennifer Shackford. My dear, I am at peace. I am vibrant and full of the strongest, brightest light. Do not weep tears of sadness for me and my life. I have fulfilled my soul's path and helped you along yours. We are always deeply connected because the love we share is everlasting. I will continue to be by your side, waiting for our souls to be reunited once again. I need you to keep loving and embracing life. I will send you back signs so you will know without a doubt I am there. Be open to the signs and you will see them. I love you. So this is for every listener who's tuning in. I just want you to know in the deepest part of your heart that you are connected to your departed loved one. They continue to be by your side. They continue to support you. The fact that I'm doing this work today in the world is evidence that my mother continues to bless me, send me signs, and support me in every way she can. Mm, That is so beautiful, Oma. Well, we have come to the end of our time. We could talk on this for much longer. But I want to thank you so much for coming to to join me here today on the show. Uh, It's such an important message. And and I know as I I have that that same sense that, that my loved ones are in touch with me and I with them. I have I have a little ritual that when I was studying my life coaching work was shared about sending love whooshes to people, which is to just send that love out into the universe. And it fills, it sends love and it travels through space. And when I do that to my mother or to my father, who have crossed over, inevitably they kiss me back. And it is a wonderful, wonderful feeling to feel that love returning. So I I know that feeling, and I I encourage everyone to be open to the subtle signs that love is all around you, especially the love that that was with your love, you know, your your most dear dear loved ones. Um, I'll thank you everyone for listening. I I have uh, I have here Uma's uh, website address, which is www dot dot com. That's U M A. G-I-R-I-S-H. You can learn more about her work and how to reach her on that site. Uh, is there any other place that they can find you, Uma? I also have the International Grief Council website. That is www.internationalgriefcouncil.org. Fantastic. 
Well, folks, I hope you'll take some time today to journal about what you heard today and what thoughts you received. Um, Ask yourself what resonated with you. Are you hanging on to a loss rather than embracing the possibilities that might open before you? And if you are, now is a good time to start exploring uh, what you are holding on to. Uh, Grief guides like Uma can have an important role to play in that process if you're willing to ask for the help. Remember, success is the continual act of deciding to take actions that move you toward the creation of what you desire. You can choose rainbows over ruins. You can move from disaster to prosperity. Until the next time, thanks for joining me on your journey to rebuild your life. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shireko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.